are listening to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have not, we are not afraid. Our stories have phrase, they are not perfect. We believe the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1.17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our frayed knots. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. Thanks for listening today. This is episode 118 with Tracy Webster, who is our friend in real life at church in Owasso, First Baptist Church of Owasso. Tracy is actually the second person in her family to be on Afraid Not. Her daughter, Sierra, is with us on episode 110. And Tracy is such a kind and delightful and sweet person. She's just a wonderful friend to know. You're going to be encouraged by her story of um, going through several heart surgeries with her son and the trauma of having a child born with a congenital heart disease. So be encouraged and listen in. Hi, Tracy. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We're so glad you said yes. Thanks a lot. We're just thrilled. Oh, I'm honored to be here. Thank you guys both so much. So tell us a little bit about you, like we know you, but tell our listeners okay. a little bit about who you are. Okay. So my name is Tracy Webster, and I am married to Darby for 28 years. We just celebrated our 28th wedding anniversary on Saturday. Congratulations. Thank you. And we have two wonderful kids. We have uh, our daughter, Sierra, that is getting ready to turn 25. She's a teacher here in Owasso at Northeast and teaches kindergarten and uh, absolutely loves what she does. I just can't believe she's almost 25. Like, mm-hmm. Where did the years go, right? Mm-hmm. And then our youngest is Tanner, and he is 19 years old and a student at Oklahoma Baptist University. And he is studying uh, biblical studies. So he's going into the ministry. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. And Sierra was recently on episode 110. Yes. So if they want to go back and listen to that later. Yeah, we have a fun link that we have our interviewee today is the mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. On that episode 110. Um, Should we go ahead and tell our listeners something I think we should good news yeah absolutely what was the good news that you would like to tell about your daughter <laughs> so Sierra's when she was on on episode 110 110 uh she was talking about redemption she had came out of a broken engagement and had been dating this Zach and good news is they just got engaged a few weeks ago we are so excited for them we are super excited and they're going to be getting married later this year so his nice. plans so, are so good. He's they, so good. They are so wonderful. Just yeah. to see him orchestrate everything behind the scenes and just mm-hmm. lay it out there. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. So thank you. Wherever you would like to tell us your story, what point you want to start with, we just want to hear about it today. So would you share with us the story that's on your heart that was your afraid not that you have for us today? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, there's so much to unpack, and I feel like I want to say that I'm just the narrator of this story. I just truly believe this is God's story that He has given our family mm-hmm. and uh, a testimony of what He's done in our children's lives and our lives. So let me preface this by saying we had Sierra. So I was pregnant in, with Tanner in 2000, and it was actually the end of 2002 when I became pregnant with Tanner. And early 2003, Darby had came home talking about this job opportunity in Minnesota. And I was like, oh, we are not moving to Minnesota, Darby. <laughs> we are not. And he was like, Tracy, I just feel like this would advance my career. And I feel like this is where we need to go. So Darby went, accepted the job, went to Minnesota, and actually bought our home via videotape with me because I couldn't travel by that point. I was almost six months pregnant. So we had sold our house. I moved in with my parents. Darby went to Minnesota. That's when we had the VHS recorders. I don't even know if they use those anymore. (laughs) I remember them, though. We we didn't have our convenient iPhones yet. No, right. They were big and bulky. Yes, they were. Yes. (laughs) So he was videoing this house and saying, you know, do you like this house? I was like, sure, that'll work. That's great. So he actually bought the house without without me seeing it. So kudos to Darby. He did great. He accepted the job. I was due with Tanner in July. Darby came home a few days before we knew we were, I had a scheduled C-section. Darby came home. We went in, had my C-section, and instantly I knew something was wrong because this whole team of nurses came in to the OR and Tanner was born blue. Mm. Oh, no. And one of the reasons we didn't know that he actually had issues is because back then we're talking 20 years ago the Mm -hmm. ultrasounds back then they didn't do the three-dimensional and the four-dimensional heart and that so it was undetected but Darby went with Tanner and of course they're finishing up uh with me well and you're on the actual operating table unable to do anything could not do anything I couldn't see anything I could hear them behind me you must have been just feeling a terrible just I just wanted to scream, uh-huh. like, I, I need to know everything's okay, you know. Of course, they couldn't tell me that he was okay. So they did come and say, hey, hey, we're going to take him to the PICU, and Dad, you can come with us. So uh-huh. Darby and Tanner and that team left to take Tanner to the PICU, and here I'm left. Uh-huh. I remember the doctor saying, we're going to get you fixed up, we're, we're going to get you reunited and figure out what's going on. So I went back to my room, and of course, I'm still numb from my epidural. I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. Right. And so the team of doctors, they started doing spinal taps on Tanner, trying to figure out what was going on with him. And all they knew is he had to have oxygen because he was blue. His blood oxygen level was in the 50s and 60s, very low. He was struggling to breathe. So it took the doctors about five hours to determine that Tanner had major heart defects. Mm -hmm. He was born with what is called transposition of the great arteries. Transposition of the great arteries consists of only about 3% of congenital heart diseases. So it's a rare heart defect. The transposition, it's where the blood is supposed to pump from the body to the heart, and then it goes to the lungs, back to the heart, then back to the body. 
and you have to have oxygenated blood to live. Transposition of the great arteries is when your two main arteries are switched, which his was the pulmonary and the ventricular. Ventricular, thank you. So they were switched. He also had ASD, VSD, and pulmonary stenosis. So he was born with four major heart defects. Wow. Oh, goodness. Not just one. Not just one. But here's... Four. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And if there's beauty to be found in that, what kept Tanner alive was the VSD and the ASD, which was the two holes in the heart, because it allowed his red blood and blue blood to mix to become oxygenated blood that kept him alive because otherwise you cannot live with transposition of the great arteries without having it fixed, repaired. So he would have probably been stillborn. Yes. So those other heart defects actually saved him. The two holes Mm -hmm. in his heart. Yeah. Oh, that is just marvelously amazing that God would allow the defects to save him. I know. I know. (laughs) It's just, it's so incredible. And the heart is so intricate. It's just amazing how God creates our bodies. Mm -hmm. So they took him back to the heart cath lab and they did a procedure where they actually did a balloon on his ASD to make it bigger where that blood could keep oxygenating because they needed Tanner to get older and bigger to survive his first open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. So when you're born with transposition of the great arteries, it's a three-step process of three open heart surgeries. So they told us that. Let me say, being in the hospital with all of this going on, my baby in PICU, it was it was so scary. And I just was numb. I just, my mom would... I mean, I just really would sit in my bed and cry, and I couldn't even go down there yet because I was I had no feeling in my legs because of my epidural. And finally, my OB came in there, and he's like, we're going to get you with your baby. And they put me in a wheelchair and rolled me down to the PICU where I could be by Tanner's bed. Mm-hmm. Of course, that brought me comfort being with him. But just And he must so- have been just tiny. This is a little, little tiny baby. How yeah. What was his birth He was actually born at 614. Six, wow. six pounds and 14 ounces, which heart babies typically can be on the smaller spectrum. Mm-hmm. But Tanner wasn't. He was fully developed. So there's no way of knowing any no of this was coming. No way of knowing. No, no. How were you dealing with the shock at this the early, that first day? Were you just able, were you able to even understand? Not, not really. Not really. Because I've had a C-section and when you're coming out of a C-section, I mean, that's an open operation. So you're yes. just all... Yes. Yes. So all of the emotions of your body, not Mm -hmm. doing what you want it to do. Mm -hmm. Darby is, you guys know Darby. I mean, his faith just amazes me, but he is the rock. Like I, I remember him just saying, Tracy, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. And you know, Tanner's alive. We're going to figure this out. I just remember thinking, God, why? Like, Mm-hmm. Am I being punished? Like, why? I wanted this baby so much. I know God doesn't punish us in that sense. Tanner was born, in all other senses, healthy, other mm-hmm. than he had four major heart defects. They did, the cardiologist did this procedure, and he's like, you know, there's no surgeon around here that can actually perform the surgery, surgery that Tanner needs. We're going to have to refer him. They were talking about uh, Houston or St. Louis. Well, then he found out we were moving to Minnesota, that Darby had already moved there. Well, some of the finest heart surgeons are in Minneapolis. Stop it. 
Stop it right now. Yeah. (laughs) I'm getting chills just, wow. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. So God knew that. He knew that ahead of time that we would need a surgeon that could do Tanner's surgery. And he moved your family. Moved us to Minnesota. Minnesota. (laughs) Yes, far northern Minnesota. Um, (laughs) We were about two and a half hours north of Minneapolis. And our cardiologist was amazing. He's like, I... I know the a cardiologist there. Uh, Chris, you have the Mayo and all of that right there. And the, they call it the Twin Cities mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. And, I mean, he just lined everything up. So um, Tanner stayed in the hospital for about a week. Then we took him So up. you could travel with him to Minnesota. He yes. was stable enough. Yes. That was fine. Yes. He was about three weeks old when we made the journey to Minnesota. And it was so hard leaving our support system oh, here, gosh, our yeah. parents, our friends. It was extremely difficult. And here we have this baby that we couldn't let cry because of his blood oxygen mm-hmm. level. And he would turn blue because he wasn't getting the oxygen, even eating. How do you keep a three-week-old three from It was crying. exhausting. It was exhausting. We were constantly, I was holding him. He pretty much was held pretty much the first six months of his life because we couldn't let him cry. Even eating wore him out. He would break out in a sweat and just because his heart wasn't strong enough to keep up. But they needed Tanner to get to a certain size before they could do this surgery because it was so risky. Mm -hmm. And so... And it would be the first surgery of three. Yes. Right? Yes. Because you were starting to tell us when, when they told you about the three surgeries... Did they give you any kind of timeline to know it's going to be around this long, or did you have any no, any way of knowing? So they told us the first one would have to be soon. We knew that the first one would have to be really soon because Tanner's his body could not have sustained very much longer, you know. So um, they did tell us it was a three-step surgery, and they said, you know, we'll know when he needs the next one. The transposition, ASD, and VSD, he had all of those, but he also had pulmonary stenosis, which pulmonary stenosis is narrowing of his pulmonary artery. The pulmonary artery needed to be replaced. It doesn't grow with him. So that's one of the reasons for the three surgeries mm-hmm. is because he has to get a bigger one. Mm-hmm. In saying all of that, like I said, the first six months were very challenging, very scary, a lot of unknown. I I was almost to the point I was just ready to get the surgery over with because I needed to know he was going to be okay. I right, needed right. I needed to know that. And can I ask you too? How old is Sierra at this time? So Sierra was five. Okay, so you're dealing with a five year old as well. Yes, probably yes. questioning, wanting to know what's going on. She, and at five, and moving right. Right. And she was starting kindergarten in Minnesota. So not only were we getting there, because Tanner was born in July, by the time we got to Minnesota, it was time to start school. So I, we were having to enroll Sierra, get her set up there, you know, get, get settled into the home and that a lot of, uh, unpacking on your own, Darby starting a new job. Literally can barely put your baby down. Yes. Yes. I don't know how you made it. It was oh it goodness. was tough, and Darby would go to work, and I would be home, and I can remember him coming home from work many days, and I would just be in tears, like, scared. I We couldn't, I, I didn't sleep because not knowing is Tanner going to wake up in the morning. We knew he had this upcoming surgery. So 
we got close to that six month mark. We had met with the surgeon at that point and he's like, it's time. It's time for Tanner to have his first surgery. So that was in Minneapolis. One of the hardest conversations. I remember Darby and I, I so vividly remember we, I feel like it was, the hallway was empty. Like we were the only two in that hallway. There may have been others, but at the time, that's all I can remember is me and Darby and I had Tanner in my arms talking with the surgeon and him saying, Tanner's got a 50-50 chance of making it through the surgery. It's, it's very complex. A lot has to be done uh, during the surgery because he, he does have four major defects. And I just wanted him to say, Tanner's going to be okay. He couldn't say, he couldn't tell me that. Mm -hmm. He couldn't tell me. Turning Tanner over to have that surgery was, was just incredibly difficult. I'm, I'm, we're handing him over to a team of doctors that we, we know nothing about them. Of course, we had met the surgeon, but we didn't know any of the other people. And to entrust your child with them, knowing what he's getting ready to go through was just it was almost uh, debilitating to me. They took Tanner back. Uh, they were incredible about giving us updates. You know, we're starting anesthesia. We're getting ready to cut his chest open, which I really, really struggled with that because, you know, as a mom, we bring these beautiful babies home and they're just perfect. They don't have the incisions down the chest and that. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, oh, Tanner's going to have this scar down his chest. I was so naive. Looking back, I'm like, put all the scars on him that you need to as long as he lives, <laughs> you yeah. know, and yeah. it's just part of him now. Mm -hmm. I don't look at it as a bad thing. What sustained you in that long surgery? And how, it must have been long. It, it was 14 hours. Whoa. Oh, goodness. It was 14 hours Were you long. all able to, able to pray or were you just too numb to even pray? Like, we what were, did you you know, I remember um, Darby and I would, it was like we would have small, I wouldn't call them prayers, but we would have time, we, we would talk to God. It wasn't long prayers, it was basically just begging God, you yeah. know, please be in that OR with that team of doctors. It was a long 14 hours. We stayed, our extending family in Sierra stayed at the Ronald McDonald House because it was right across the street from the hospital. And they are so good to take care of these families when they have loved ones in, in the hospital and that. Did you have family that came up? We did. Okay. Yeah. Our parents all came up. Um, and Sierra was there, you know, mm -hmm. during all of this. And trying to keep her entertained, my parents and Darby's, they basically took over Sierra because we just were not able to to do more than what we were able to mm -hmm. do. And I remember being in, in the waiting room, and I just put a blanket over my head. I had to tune out everybody. I, I didn't want to deal with people. I just needed to be. And I get that. I get that. I, I you probably just feel like I can't have any conversations. Right. There's nothing <laughs> in me. Nobody asked me how I am. Exactly. <laughs> nothing in me. Uh, but I do remember the surgeon or the nurse calling and saying, you know, we're putting Tanner on the bypass machine. You can't live without your heart. Your heart has to beat to live. I knew that they were going to have to stop his heart to operate on it because Tanner's size of his heart at the time of his surgery was a, that of a strawberry. And for Tanner's heart defects, they had to cut into the heart muscle 
So go in, internally in the heart muscle, into the heart. So knowing that his heart has to be stopped and restarted. And I remember them saying they don't really like him, to any, any child or anybody to be on bypass longer than four, four and a half hours. The chances of Tanner coming out of that surgery not on ECMO, that was the other scary thing because ECMO is a total, complete life support. You do not want your baby coming out on ECMO if you can all help it. They can only withstand it for 10 days, about 10 days max because it takes such a toll on your body. And they were fully preparing us for Tanner to come out on ECMO. After about eight hours, we're like, goodness, he's been on, you know, the bypass for so long. And we were like, oh, he's going to, he's going to have to be out, come out on the ECMO. He didn't. He did not come out on the ECMO. He So is this just a machine that he would have come out in? It is, yes. Okay. And basically it does everything. Okay. Like total like life support. Total life support. Okay. Yeah. So Tanner's heart was able to beat? Well, in saying that, it, they did get his heart beating, but they had to put an external pacemaker because he was in a hundred percent heart block. Which that happens during heart surgery a lot of times because it's they cut through those nerves and that, mm -hmm. and sometimes it takes it a while to kind of wake up, per se. Unfortunately, Tanner's, he still has a pacemaker. They did do an external pacemaker. Tanner came out of surgery. They had kind of prepared us for what to see when we got to see Tanner. I don't think anything could have prepared us for what we saw when we walked in that room. He was still on life support monitors everywhere, team of doctors still around him. As a baby, they actually leave the chest open oh on my. a baby. Mm. So they put, they call it a skin. They put this little piece of yellow material over Tanner's chest. And the reason being is because they use so much fluids on the bypass machine that the babies, their their bodies are so little, there's nowhere for it to go. Okay. It expands. So they left that open. And I literally could see Tanner's heart beating. I don't know how many people can say they've actually got to see their child's heart beating. And I I just remember, because they, they would actually remove that and wash it out with saline, that cavity to keep it from getting infected. That's what I was thinking. I was like, how do they keep it from getting infected? Yes, okay. yes. And they left his chest open for 14 days oh. because he was on this external pacemaker. We were talking about whether his heart was beating on its own. He had to have help from a pacemaker because his lower part of his heart was not firing on its own. So they do an external pacemaker and in hoping that it would it would wake up and start beating on its own. It didn't. So Tanner does still have a pacemaker, but I will say this, uh, Tanner, they had closed his heart. They had closed his chest after day 14. And Tanner during all of this was completely uh, intubated. Like he never mm -hmm. woke up during all of this, the whole 14 days. And oh, okay. Yeah, he, they had him. He was still basically on life support at that point. They wanted him just to rest and that. And I remember the surgeon coming in after they'd closed Tanner's. They had already put a pacemaker in Tanner. And I remember the surgeon saying, I hit Tanner's heart is actually working on the bottom. Not 100%, but it is firing. And he said, 
I didn't give the man upstairs enough credit. <laughs> and I was like, you, we give all the praise and glory to God because with that's that's who gives us life and create. I mean, mm-hmm. created Tanner intricately in my womb, and I just, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. And uh, he knew exactly what he was doing when he made Tanner, even though I, I, I don't understand why. I don't understand all the... And I, I believe there's things that weren't, we, we will not know on this side of heaven, you know. Um, but that was a whole process of... I mean, there was so much that went into that. Um, the healing in that. He was in the hospital for about a, a month recovery on that. T- Sierra actually went to school at the Ronald McDonald House kindergarten. She went there for several months. So when I say several months, Tanner, that first stint, Tanner was in the hospital for a month. We got to go home. We were home less than 24 hours and Tanner got sepsis. <gasps> oh my! So they had to life flight him back to the hospital and so how did you know he had sepsis what happened so when we took him home uh he just was lethargic we couldn't get him to wake up to eat started running a really high fever just complete lethargic and we called the the his pediatrician the very next morning and said hey something is going on with tanner you know we just brought him home from the hospital and he's like bring him in and as soon as we got there and he took an assess Tanner they literally had an ambulance on their way to pick Darby Darby and Tanner up to take him to the hospital to be life flighted back to the city so Darby got to go with him on the helicopter so you were in your house for one night one night one night and Usually it's about a two and a half hour trip to Minneapolis. I made it in about an hour and 45 minutes. I mean, I, we, we had not even unpacked and I'm pretty sure I just got my suitcase and my mom was still there. My mom and dad were still there with, with Sierra and I just went and met Darby and Tanner there and Tanner's sepsis put us in the hospital for another three months. <gasps> yeah. Oh. It so was four months of his life in the months, hospital. Four months. And what, how many months from, was, how old was he when this started? So he was six months old okay. when, yeah, for his surgery. Just, and so. My it, whole inside, I'm just I'm not imagining it, how you would have been feeling it all. It was, and Darby had just started a new job. That's yeah. Right. And they were so gracious and letting Darby work from the hospital a little bit. Once Tanner became stable, Darby went back to work, you know, uh, every few days he would come back. And then, like I said, Sierra was going to kindergarten at the Ronald McDonald house. Cause they actually have school for kids at the Ronald McDonald house that are there long-term. And so it was, it was quite a journey, you know, back then, uh, he had a lot of IV antibiotics in that because sepsis, I mean, it can be fatal if mm-hmm. left untreated. I mean, it's a blood infection. And he went, he went through a lot of, uh, he actually went through drug withdrawal because babies that have had open heart surgery are on methadone. Mm-hmm. Tanner went through drug withdrawal from being on oh methadone. So they had to reintroduce him to methadone in the hospital just to wean him off. It's just, it was, it was so sad to see, you know, here that drug is used 
for pain, and yet it became addictive to a little baby. Yeah. You know, it was it was very painful to watch. So, um, so anyway, that was his first surgery. You know, I uh, I thought, okay, Lord, we've got the big one out of the way. We're gonna we're we've got this. You know, um, and then. Um, for tenors, the years were good. We we went about three years, you know, still adjusting to life in Minnesota, making friends. The sad thing is we couldn't be around a lot of people because Tanner's immune system. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard for us to get plugged into a church while we were in Minnesota. It was very hard. We would visit, but I couldn't leave Tanner in the nursery, you know. Because he was at risk. Very, right? yes. And I felt like no one understood. I felt like we were just alone, you know. We were in a new community, new yeah. people. And uh, here we had a child that needed us. 24 seven, you know, so it was, it was extremely, extremely difficult. And, uh, thank goodness we had somewhat of a solid foundation of our faith before this started, because I'm, I've said it numerous times. I don't know how anybody can get through something like this without their faith, Mm -hmm. without that hope. So, um, so life was good for about three years and then it was time for Tanner to have his second surgery. Well, we call this the cakewalk surgery because it was the, it was like a drive through open heart surgery. And I don't say that, <laughs> I, I don't say it lightly, but I do because in the scheme of things, it, it really was, it, no complications, everything went off, and it was just like a breath of fresh air, especially after coming off from his first one, after that just about did us in. So, and you know, as parents, we want to fix things. As as a mom and dad, we're used to fixing things for our kids, and this was something Darby and I couldn't fix. Mm-hmm. We, we were totally help, helpless, and uh, we were relying on uh, science to to work on our child and, uh, and our faith in Jesus Christ, you know, to bring him through this. So Tanner's second surgery was in 2006. So then after, after that, he, he did great. Uh, he actually got to go to mom's day out, uh, did really good, you know, just trying to get into acclimated to living in Minnesota. And, um, we were still, Homesick was very hard because Darby and I are both Okies. I mean, we're both from Oklahoma, and so we missed our family terribly. Um, And then in the middle of all of this, in 2012, my dad got really sick. And um, he had retired in September. He had just turned 65, and two months later, he he passed away from lung cancer. So it was so. Did you even know he had lung cancer? Yes, and literally, he turned sixty-five September 9th and a week later, he was diagnosed with Uh, lung cancer. Hadn't smoked in years, but you don't have to smoke to have lung cancer, right? Right, right. It and it's but by the time they caught it, he was already in stage four, and he passed away two months later. So that was tough. It was so extremely tough. And, uh, I was very close to my dad and, uh, that, that was a huge loss for us. Um, 
we walked that with him and uh, and I was there throughout the whole thing. Thankfully, uh, when my dad got sick, we had moved back to Oklahoma. Right after Tanner's second open heart surgery, Darby's previous employer that he had left contacted him, recruited him back. He went back to the same company he had left after Tanner's second open heart surgery. So we were only in Minnesota for about six years, and that's exactly where we needed to be for Tanner's first two surgeries. Yeah. It's, it's exactly where we needed to be. Same surgeon did both surgeries. And um, then in the summer of 2014, Tanner got really sick. And um, for about 10 days, he was just really sick. Darby ended up calling the cardiologist and saying something is not right with him. And they said, go, go to the hospital. We've got a room waiting on you. And come to find out Tanner had endocarditis. Endocarditis is an infection that attacks artificial valves. Anything like that, it will endocarditis attacks. And uh, it's just a really bad bacterial infection. And um, so it just, it, I, I just feel like it's been something, you know, over and over. And, uh, and Tanner was fine after the endocarditis that put him in the hospital for a few weeks. He had IV treatment and that, and we got him over that. And so fast forward to his last surgery. So let, let me just uh, paint the picture of this day. I, it is just forever etched in my mind. Uh, we had wonderful church family that came up and sat with us in the, uh, the waiting room. Tanner's third surgery was actually in St. Louis, Missouri. And, How old uh, was he at this point? So Tanner was 12. Okay. 12, almost 13 when he had this last surgery. And it was supposed to be, you know, we're going to go in and replace this uh, pulmonary valve. Um, because at that point, the rest of his heart had already been replumbed. There was nothing that needed fixed on the main. It was his pulmonary artery. And because he has an artificial valve, they were going to go in and put a bigger one. It's routine. Shouldn't have been a big deal. Right. Gotcha. Shouldn't have been a big deal. Um and uh, I'll, I'll never forget in the waiting room, of course, Don and Nathan Hamilton, you know, they've walked this yes, and they we've just become really good friends with them and just really cherish that. Uh, I remember Brad being there and Brennan and just so many of our, of our close family and friends uh, were there. And in fact, the guys were going to go watch the Cardinals game after Tanner's surgery. They had it had it planned that they were going to go watch the Cardinals game. So set through the surgery and the surgeon came out and said, everything was, went fine. We're moving him to recovery. You'll be able to see him in, you know, before too long. Not for sure exactly how, how much time went by, but I want to say it was roughly around 45 minutes to an hour. The surgeon came back in. And we were thinking, what is going on? And he said, um, Tanner's not doing well. He's not, he's not responding to us at all. And then he proceeded to tell us at that point that Tanner has so much scar tissue from his previous two surgeries. 
that when the surgeon was cutting through the scar tissue, trying to get the heart muscle away from the scar tissue, he cut in Tanner's heart muscle. By doing that, air got <gasps> in his bloodstream. Oh. And so the surgeon told us they took all the precautions in the OR. They basically uh, aspirate the heart. They, they maneuver the OR table because they're trying to keep these air bubbles from traveling to the brain mm -hmm. because it can mm -hmm. be fatal. So the surgeon felt like he took all the precautions in the OR to make sure that air didn't travel. But he said, because Tanner's unresponsive, we think there could be brain damage. We think there could be something going on. Oh. We're going to life flight him to a nearby hospital and put him in a hyperbaric chamber. There wasn't one at the hospital that Tanner was at. We couldn't go with him. And the surgeon said, but I want you, you and Darby, to see Tanner before we take him. And I, and I remember saying, is he going to be okay? He said, I can't tell you that. He's not doing good. So they had, they had Tanner in a, uh, a room for a CT scan because, mind you, Tanner has a pacemaker and can't have an MRI. So they had done a, a CT scan to see what damage was in the brain from the mm -hmm. scare. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just remember when the surgeon had came in after he walked out, I, 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 I physically just fell to the floor. And I just felt like I had let Tanner down because I, I remember before they took him, he was so scared and I kept saying, Tanner, you're gonna be fine. I promise you're gonna be fine. And I just felt like I had let him, like I had let him down, you know, as his mom. I, that's my job to protect him. And, um, I was on my knees in this, in this waiting room and it was like nothing else. Time stopped, literally mm -hmm. just stopped. And, um, I, I don't, I don't even know. I'm sure I was audibly, of course, no one probably could understand what I was even saying because it was just that shrill crying of... Guttural. Yes. Yeah. Just total disbelief. You, The surgeon had just came out and said, he's fine, and now you're telling us he's not. So the emotional roller coaster of all of that, and um, I remember we, Darby and I went back to this room, and by this point... Point, they had all of the life flight crew, the nurses there, they were in their uniforms. They were, there was probably 15 people in this room working on Tanner, prepping him to get him ready to life flight him over to the other hospital. Mind you, he's still on total life support. I mean, he had just had open heart surgery. So, um, so they loaded him up. Darby and I had to stay at, at the hospital. Um, while they took him and what an air embolism is because that's what they said had happened was it's a blood vessel blockage it's lack of oxygen to the brain an air embolism and uh, I remember uh, 
Chris and Emily coming, and I remember Chris That's saying. That's right. They went to see you. Yes. yes. And I remember Chris saying, I called a friend on the way to St. Louis. He said, I need to know what I'm dealing, what I'm walking into, you know, and, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure who he talked to, but whoever it was said, it's not good. An air embolism is not something you want, you want. Um, so, um, Tanner, like I said, Tanner was completely unresponsive on the table. It was just, it was like an out-of-body experience. I felt like I was looking at my child, but I, I couldn't take it all in, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, I wasn't sure if I was having, if I was saying my bye, my goodbyes to Tanner, wasn't sure because we, we knew at this point something was wrong. Mm -hmm. So they life-flighted him to another hospital and started him in a hyperbaric chamber. And Why did they have to put him in a chamber? So a hyperbaric chamber is used a lot for uh, healing and for divers. Divers that are coming to the surface, yeah. they compared taking Tanner down to 80 foot. Because what happens in these hyperbaric chamber, it basically compresses the bubbles of the air in the blood vessels. That's what they were trying to do. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So taking him down to 80 foot, that's what they compare it to is like he went 80 foot. It compresses your body, pushing those air bubbles to where his body could absorb anything that was left. Okay. From that. From that. Yes. So the tricky part was... Uh, because Tanner was on life support and it takes fluids for the life support machines and that. Well, when you're in the hyperbaric chamber, it's it's compressing. So it was very tricky. The nurse the nurse was actually in the hyperbaric chamber uh, with Tanner. Wow. Yeah, the life flight nurse. And uh, trying to keep the life support going and that. And they Tanner was in it for about four and a half hours. We were still on the other side of town because they said there, there's no sense in you going. You're not going to get to be with him. Just wait right here. He's going to be coming back to this hospital. So bringing Sierra into this, she was a complete rock star because by this point, it was her senior year of high school. That's right. Yes. I do remember that. Yes, her senior year of high school. And she became like our parent, she, taking care of her parents. I mean, we became the children, mm -hmm. basically. She literally did everything because we, we, we had just stopped, just stopped. And um, I will say during this whole, whole process, because Tanner was in seventh grade, the school was amazing during this time for Tanner and for Sierra, because like I said, it was Sierra's senior year. And here she was, the hospital, you know, with her brother and parents. Um, but the hospital was so generous. They set us up our own room, brought in food. I mean, they literally catered to us because they knew something big was going on with Tanner. And I can remember one of my lowest points was when Tanner was still at the other hospital in St. Louis. I went to the bathroom and I literally laid on the bathroom floor. And anybody that knows there is nothing good on the hospital floors. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing good. But you know, at that point, I just needed to be, I needed to escape. I was just trying to get away. And 
I, I could not even pray. I, I, there was no words. There was no words. I, I was just like, God, you're going to have to handle this. It's, it's something that mm-hmm. is out of my control. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, even in our darkest hours, God's there. Yeah. Even when we feel alone, even when we're away from everybody, God is still right there. He was with me on that hospital floor. So um, they they brought Tanner back after about four and a half hours, and they put him in a medically induced coma for three days. And what that does, it lets the, the body, the brain heal from a traumatic brain injury, and um, which they felt like that's what Tanner had suffered from this air embolism. Mm-hmm. And they were preparing us, we don't know, if Tanner's going to come out of this, we, we don't know. And if he does, he may be uh, challenged. He may have learning disabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know. They, they just didn't know at that point. So for three days, he was in this induced coma. and um, He must have been on pins and needles. <laughs> it was extreme. It was almost to the point I could. I had to retract a little bit. Darby never left Tanner's bedside. I mean, for that first 24 hours, he he prayed over Tanner all night. And I remember walking in and Darby would be praying, praying over Tanner. And, um, you know, Tanner would, Tanner started having seizures and it, it, there was just so much that went on during that time. And, and it scared me so much that I, I had to leave and I would go out and have to send somebody, you know, I remember Brad, I'd be like, Brad and Brennan, can you guys go in there? Like it just, it was more than I could take as, as a mom watching it unfold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it wasn't like I was abandoning Tanner. It's just, I, I could, it hurt my heart so much to see what he was enduring. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, long story short, you know, um, I just remember the scripture that just was forefront in my mind was in Deuteronomy, you know, that he is never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's right here in this, in this hospital room. And I, I begged him, you know, God, just please breathe life back into Tanner. Just please bring him back to us. And, you know, and I, I knew if God chose to not bring him back that he was in heaven because Tanner had already been saved mm-hmm. and I knew that and that brought me some comfort selfishly I wanted Tanner here absolutely yeah but I knew that that was not my decision to make and I I, I had I felt like I was already trying to prepare myself because the doctors just didn't know they they just didn't know and so long story, you know, even the surgeon, he, he stayed by Tanner's bedside the first 24 hours. Um, we were in contact with our cardiologist back at home, our cardiologist and our echo tech Kelly, amazing people. Like we are good friends with them. I, I have their numbers. I can call them at any time. They're like family to us cause we've been with them for almost 20 years now. And, uh, they just bring so much comfort to us when we, when we have to go see see them and that because 
it is scary. It's a scary walk for parents walking into that unknown. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I remember our pastor Chris coming with his daughter Emily, which Emily is Sierra's age, uh, senior year. And I remember Chris and Emily came, came into the hospital room and poor Emily, she, <laughs> it, it overtook her. She didn't realize how squeamish her stomach was. Right, yeah. right. And she almost fainted. She did. She did. She and we, fainted. She fainted and we were trying to get her on the bed. Chris was like, you know, trying to take care of Emily. And he's like, well, here we came to see Tanner and Emily's fainted. It, but, you know, it she just. really embarrassed. Well, and. It just meant so much for us to have our family and friends and that support there. Um, Don Hamilton and I are always saying, you know, we're part of a, we have a lifetime membership. You know, most memberships, you can cancel them or they're on a three month subscription. <laughs> we don't have that. It's you a join lifetime. a club you didn't necessarily want to exactly. join. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We join this and, um, you know, so during all of that, after the three days, they started bringing Tanner back around, taking him off the medicine, trying to get him to wake up, and um, Tanner started opening his eyes, and I was like, I'm hopeful because Tanner's eyes, you know, I, I could see life coming back, and um, they Tanner got to the point they were able to remove the breathing tube. And I, I mean, we were all standing over Tanner's bed, you know, because we didn't know. We didn't know what, what right. was going to come out of his mouth, what, right. what it was. And after Tanner kind of, you know, coughed and got his senses about him, he said, Mom, I'm feeling claustrophobic. I need you to back up. <laughs> and, and I I was like, okay, my tanner's back. Like it was just it was just something it, I mean, how beautiful is that? Yes. You know? Um how beautiful to hear those words. I mean, because we were, we were all just like And he was fully aware. He was fully aware. Family. Exactly. He was like, I'm feeling claustrophobic. You know? Um so it was it was a very slow process. Uh, the physical and emotional toll on Tanner, you know, uh, I haven't really hit on very much on that, but I will say the toll it takes on children with any kind of illness or uh, handicap of whatever it may be. It is extremely difficult. I mean, there was times that Tanner went through seasons of being angry. He wanted to be like everybody else, and he wasn't. You know, uh, he played competitive baseball up until seventh grade, and he had to let that go because he just didn't have the physical endurance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because his heart's never going to be like a regular person's heart, Um, just because of how much it's had to you know, uh, be re we call it replumbing. Um, he doesn't have the stamina, even to this day, he doesn't have the stamina that we do. Um, so it's, it's been, um, it's been challenging over the years, just trying to find a balance of trying to make our family normal as possible, but recognizing that we've got a child with a life threatening disease because it is it's congenital heart disease 
and uh, a lot lot comes in with that he's you know he had he's had heart catheterizations in that he's had his pacemaker replaced he had his uh, pa pacemaker replaced during COVID of all times mm -hmm. and they would only let one of us go, and I let Darby. <laughs> I let Darby. <laughs> I say that because Darby, he he can tell you the ins and out of the heart. I'm the emotional one. I just need to know that Tanner's okay. I can get, I can somewhat say what's wrong with Tanner, but Tan Darby studied it over and over. Like he knows all the valves and and that. So he went with Tanner, and. Um, you know, when he got his last pacemaker. But, you know, we can plan our life and think we've got this beautiful family and how this is how it's going to go. By this year, I'm going to do this. But God's plan always prevails. Mm -hmm. And um, and I just truly, I've had to tr lean into that and trust that. And... Um, there's days in our lives, I believe, that separate us from the before and after. Events that take place in our lives that stops time mm -hmm. and leaves a permanent stake in us. Mm -hmm. And we're never the same after that we were before. Right. I mean, I it has changed my life. It has changed who I am as a person. Um, sometimes not always so good, you know, um... It, 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 it was a struggle on Darby and I's marriage. It takes us toll financially. You know, uh, Sierra trying to find that balance of being a parent to her. And because Tanner needed so much of our, our energy and time. Of course, of course. We wanted to make sure that Sierra knew we loved her and trying to find that balance, you know, with her. So I feel like there's so many rotating parts on this, you know, and, um, but what I do know is, uh, God was so incredibly faithful and just present during all of that and still is, but, um, scientifically Tanner should not be here. The surgeon even said Tanner has defied, he's beat the odds here. Like, mm -hmm. Typically, they just do not survive air embolism coming back with no, 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 no mental delays, nothing. no delays, anything. And um, the doctors were all just, uh, I remember his surgeon just being like, well, you guys, your faith. He said, you've really shut, even the nurses in Tanner's room, they kept commenting about Darby and I's faith. And because we would pray and not, like I said, Darby was so present in standing over Tanner's bed. And, um, you know, if, if that, if that made an impact on anyone's life, I pray it did, you know, mm -hmm. I wanted them to see that this is bigger than us. These oh, machines yeah. aren't what keeping is what keeping Tanner alive. Mm -hmm. It's not any surgeries. This is God almighty. And he knew he created Tanner and he knew exactly what needed to happen in fixing his heart and, uh, and healing him from whatever had, whatever event had happened in that OR, you know, um, like I said, I, I always say, I feel like I'm just the narrator of this story cause I truly feel like it, 
God is the author of this story. Mm-hmm. He he so orchestrated every part in in the sense that he knew we needed to be in Minnesota for Tanner's surgery mm-hmm. and provided a job for Darby to be there because I I would never have said oh let's move to Minnesota and you know after Tanner's second open heart surgery he moves us back to the company that Darby had left so for the listeners I know this has been a lengthy there's so much to unpack in Tanner's 19 years and um you know the the emotional toll it has taken on our family you know has been prevalent and I lean into my friends and family uh, that has got us through this but you know when Tanner left the hospital after this last surgery uh, there was a lot of healing that took place a lot of healing it even changed Tanner it changed his perspective on life Um, You know, when you go through something so traumatic and, you know, he knew that he almost experienced death, that it just changed him. And he has just, he has just felt so extremely thankful that God spared his life. Mm -hmm. And our story had a happy ending. We met families that their story didn't end happily through the Ronald McDonald house and that. And I don't have an explanation of why God chooses to heal some and why some don't get the healing here on earth. This journey has just been, there's been so many uh, feelings of gratitude. It definitely did some soul searching, you know, and when you face uncertainties in life and you come under fire, it's like an onion peeling back the layers. Like it shows are ugly, are good, Mm -hmm. and most important, it shows where our faith is. And I would just say you cannot wait until you are in a crisis because I've heard our pastor say before, it's not a matter of if we get that phone call. It's a matter of when we get that phone call or that news or whatever and we have to be grounded in our faith before we reach a crisis Mm -hmm. and um, I don't know what would have got us through this without our faith and um, I I have I cannot give God enough credit because it's nothing that Darby and I have done and it's not that we're stronger than any other parent we didn't have a choice and God equipped us to walk that. And, you know, I, I pray that whoever we've touched over the years, that it's been left in a positive way. Um, I can't say it's been rainbows and unicorns all the time. Um, you know, it's, it's real. It's just a mm-hmm. real life event that has happened over the course of 19 years. Tanner's almost 20. He'll be 20 in July. And for him, it's going to be a lifelong, it's, it's not over just because he's had the three surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he does have a pacemaker and that will have to be replaced whenever the battery, uh, needs to be replaced on that. Uh, I say the battery, they actually take the entire pacemaker out. That is the battery. 
and it's uh, it's really cool because he has his phone. He can actually send transmit his pacemaker to the to the doctor. Medical technology is just incredible. It's really Whether, fascinating. It is. It is. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it's just been a you know God is just so good and. Um, I don't feel like we are deserving, but I just, I, I cannot thank him enough for, for bringing us out of this to where we're at today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I'm so happy to hear this story. I mean, you're, I've had multiple times hearing you talk of tears <laughs> of imagining walking through what you've walked through. And I am so happy that God has chosen to heal your whole family and, um, we just give him the praise and thank you for sharing such a really emotional and important story with us. And we hope that listeners feel encouraged knowing that, that God is a redeemer and a healer and he can do all of these things that he did in your family. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will just add, you know, where Tanner's at today, uh, he, as I mentioned, he's a student at OBU. He's been called into the ministry Mm -hmm. and um, he's actually going this summer to Birmingham, England on a mission trip. He's mm -hmm. going to be gone all summer. Um, but he, you can just tell God has just touched his life in such a way that he is going to make a difference in others. You know, I love to hear Tanner pray. His prayers are absolutely incredible for a 19-year-old. So when he's home on the weekends, whenever he comes home, I'm always like, Tanner, can you pray? Because we always, <laughs> we, we have this thing at our house for every meal. We try to sit as a family at the table. That's where we can get caught up. Or even if we're at a restaurant, we, we have a habit of praying before we eat. And I'm always like, Darby. Let Tanner pray. Let Tanner pray. Because <laughs> his prayers are just so beautiful. And um, it just touches my heart because who would have thought all of this, you know, that Tanner's been through, you know, God saved him from um, a different path that this could have taken and how God's going to use him moving forward. And it just warms my heart. And um, I, I just... Every day I try to make it a point to thank God for Tanner's life and, you know, what he has done in our lives and throughout this whole process. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening today, everyone. We're so glad that you have been listening to Afraid Not. And the verse that Tracy referred to, I want to share it with you as in our closing outro today. It's Deuteronomy 31.6, and you may need to hear this for you today. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you. God is with you. Also, Psalm 139 I feel like it's fitting because it talks about how we are intricately woven in our mother's womb and God does not make mistakes. So um, there is a purpose for all of this, which some of it we may not understand on this side of heaven, but there is a purpose in everybody's story. And like Tracy said, even in our darkest hour, God is right there. And listener, if you're in a dark hour today, you can reach out and 
and just cry out to God, even if you don't even have the words to say. He's right there with you. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and share with a friend, and we will be back again in a couple weeks. Bye, everyone.